Welcome to episode 178 of the G2 on 5G. It's the latest in-flight scoop on everything 5G and sometimes 6G. We cover six topics in about 20 minutes, and it's brought to you by more insights and strategy. I'm Will Townsend, and joining me again this week is fellow analyst Anjan Sag. Let's get started with my first topic, and I want to talk about Reliance in India. And they recently launched what they're calling their Geo or Gio Brain AI-based platform. Hey, correct my pronunciation. Geo or Gio? Yeah. Anyway, this is not you know exactly novel because a lot of network operators are integrating machine learning and AI into their their networks to improve resiliency and and self healing and that sort of thing. But what I found really interesting about this announcement is that the company says that they've been in development of this capability for the last two years. Uh, hundreds of engineers involved. The platform includes a set of over 500 APIs and data APIs for creating ML-enabled services. And an executive was quoting, stating that this will help create new 5G services, optimize networks, as well as pave the way for 6G development, which Reliance believes machine learning will be a key capability. Interesting, this is the first time that I've uh, read a network operator wanting to leverage artificial intelligence to basically develop and deliver new services. So I don't know if you caught the names, but any thoughts? I know Geo is very aggressive in doing things on their own. They bought their own VR company to, to have a VR service. So I yeah. think they're very much about doing things in-house. And I think they're one of the few operators in the world that is very aggressive on keeping technology in-house and not letting PEs or somebody else take the business from them. I think they're an interesting company. They want to do a lot of stuff in-house and I'm not surprised that they have their own AI-based platform. Hey, that's a very good point that you make because when we look at prior network deployments, it was the over-the-top application solution providers that really drove the innovation from a service delivery perspective. So Mobile network operators haven't demonstrated a lot of skill set and and monetizing things beyond access. Although we're beginning to see applications like manufacturing automation and, and OT industrial control and that sort of thing, but it is interesting. So this is late breaking news. We will continue to monitor that, and if there are any updates, provide um, that on a future podcast. But let's move to your first topic, and it is earnings season. You and I have been tweeting and showing out some of our insights related to the uh, companies that we cover in our particular uh, coverage areas. You want to talk about Qualcomm and Apple earnings. Yeah. So in addition to them, Microsoft and Google also announced earnings. However, none of their earnings were relevant to 5G. The reason why Apple and Qualcomm earnings were relevant was because for Apple's earnings, they did report record profits. The reason why their earnings were interesting was because smartphone was 6% stronger. So there's been a, a clear rebound on the smartphone market for them because they've been had some, they've had some consecutive quarters of down, down market. I think it was like maybe 1% or something, pretty low shrinkage, but not great numbers for their investors. So mobile took off and the company really follows on mobile. And then they had a 25% reduction in iPad, which is pretty bad. And then I think MacBook also did well or Mac in general, but yeah, they, they also had pretty good services revenues, which continues to be a strong suit for them as they continue to capitalize on their, their customer base. 
And yeah, they, they had pretty strong earnings overall. And I think they had earnings the day before they launched Vision Pro, which is today. And I've got my Vision Pro hiding back there. I will be, you know, working on it and messing with it and, and potentially using it over 5G to see how it works. I Hopefully they've done some testing as well. But on the Qualcomm side, they also reported earnings stronger than expected again, both on profit and on revenue. And they also cited stronger mobile shipments for their strength. And they also had strong strength in mobile. They did have some weakness in IoT, but the IoT weakness was expected because the entire IoT segment is shrinking and there's been a pullback in the markets. They will see, they also said they do see IoT rebounding because they include PC in the IoT business and they have a new PC chip coming mid this year with uh, a newer version of Windows that's more AI focused and that will be their using their Snapdragon Elite X Elite chip. Yeah, I, I think both companies really showed that the mobile industry has come back to growth and there's a lot of still headway or not headway, but headroom for growth, especially as 5G starts to mature and we start yeah. to see work slicing and more applications. I do think that there's a, a lot more growth that's potentially there if, if we really get this moving. Yeah, I agree. And hey, I, I want to talk about Apple and Qualcomm with my second topic too, which is something that you and I have been discussing on numerous podcasts, but coincident with Apple's and, and Qualcomm's earnings, news came out that Apple is yet again extending it uh, extending, excuse me, its 5G modem licensing agreement with Qualcomm in additional two years. For for our sports fans that are keeping score at home, Apple purchased Intel's modem business in 2019. So we're already in 2024, and this agreement has been extended into 2027. And honestly, Apple's not being very apologetic. They're focusing on that new VR headset, the Vision Pro. They sure they have other priorities. And it almost seems like they're treating the whole 5G modem thing like a commodity. What do you think? They are. I think that's part of the reason why they want to do what they're doing. They want yeah. to commoditize the 5G modem to make it as cheap as possible. The one thing I didn't mention in Qualcomm earnings, which is relevant here, Qualcomm did sign additional licensing agreements that were expiring with multiple Chinese OEMs. And then in that negotiate in that QTL licensing umbrella, they talked about the Apple agreement, which includes modem supply and licensing of, of IP. I believe that this will potentially continue for as long as Apple continues to fail to deliver a competitive modem. I will say this announcement is almost like a formality because I feel like we already knew that this, this delay was coming. We just yeah. didn't have a formal announcement of it. But nevertheless, the formal announcement does make uh, investors more comfortable with the Qualcomm purchase and help helps the share price because people still believe that the Apple business is huge. And it is a few billion dollars a year, but Qualcomm's diversified themselves quite a bit. And I don't think the Apple business is as important to them as it used to be. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think at this point, it's gravy for Qualcomm. Yeah. But let's go to your second topic. And we want to talk about AST Space Mobile again this week. But it's a tie-up between AST Space Mobile and AT&T FirstNet. Yeah, so this was something I saw on Twitter. I retweeted it when it happened and I was pretty surprised, but I also shouldn't have been, I guess, because FirstNet is built on AT&T's network. Uh, right. But I think it's interesting because FirstNet is almost maybe a better, the best application of satellite-based communications to enable better public safety for first responders. And the FirstNet authority is like a quasi-government authority. It's just really interesting because 
ASC Space Mobile continues to convince really important government bodies that they are ready to work with them. And this was a, uh, a test that simulated direct, direct LEO satellite services um, mm-hmm. for public safety. So it wasn't like a, like a real world application yet, but this is like a, a tee up for the next generation of, of testing. And I'm excited to see what happens and how they use FirstNet. Because I think the first end applications might actually be bigger than the consumer ones. Yeah, no, I agree. And if you think about just having to operate in uh, very remote areas, and especially when infrastructure is down in natural disasters, it seems like this is a great set for, for first net. And, and obviously, we reported on the news around AT&T's investment, uh, initial investment in AST Space Mobile. Uh, as well as Google's and then Venison's and for round two. And some of the largest mobile network operators in the world are putting their money where their mouth is uh, behind AST Space Mobile. I got a lot of interesting uh, feedback on my article post about a week ago. And hey, there are still a lot of people out there that believe that Starlink is moving in the right direction. They are just getting their satellites uh, in the air for direct to cell connectivity. That'll take some time. But hey, Competition breeds innovation in my perspective, and it's good that we've got two potentially very strong front runners in the hunt for all of this. But hey, let's move to my third and final topic, and I want to talk about Ericsson, and they're focused on boosting their 6G research with uh, an India-based university. And I don't even want to begin to try to pronounce the province that this is located in, but it's part of the India Institute of Technology. IIT. Yeah. And both Ericsson and they are focusing on holding conferences and, and discussions around the use of AI and compute with RAN infrastructure. And it's about resource optimization, dynamic observability, and sustainable technology support. It's interesting. Um, I like the approach. I always like it when Companies engage academic institutions. A lot of that activity is occurring at my alma mater, the University of Texas, with respect to uh, 5G and 6G. And so I think it's a great way for Ericsson to do a kind of a public-private joint partnership. But I think it also brings uh, more exposure for the company in India. India is a very hot market. It's growing by leaps and bounds. And we were speaking about Reliance earlier. Uh, but there's Barty Airtel and there, there are a host of companies that are really thriving. From my perspective, disaggregated infrastructure or software defined to really stand up these networks very quickly and do them cost effectively because India is such a market that it's not going to be able to support the same uh, levels of RQ that, that we have, say, in the United States and that sort of thing. But don't let you cop the news. Any further thoughts before we move to your third and final? I did not catch the news and I don't have any final thoughts, but I know that we're still in the early stages of 6G research. I don't think it's a bad thing that that we start thinking about yeah. it. Yeah. And I think there are obviously there are applications for what Ericsson's doing with 5G services as well. But hey, people are beginning to focus on 6G and let's not put the cart before the horse. We got to do standalone and, and get there. But hey, I think it's all good in the big scheme of things. But hey, let's wrap up with something that's very important, the Super Bowl. So that is coming up very quickly this Sunday. My wife's favorite team, the Kansas City Chiefs, are playing the 49ers. We will both actually be in Las Vegas, not at the game. We just happened to pick that weekend. So we're going to be sharing 
space in Las Vegas, Nevada, with what's estimated to be almost half a million visitors. But you want to talk about what T-Mobile and Verizon are doing to support the Super Bowl. Yeah, so T-Mobile just came out with some data about how they're improving the experience. I feel like they they really planned ahead more so than I think the other operators did because they were re- they already built out a lot of the infrastructure for the Super Bowl during F1. Yeah. So they they really invested a lot in permanent infrastructure improvements. I didn't go to CES, so I wasn't able to experience maybe that experience was already enhanced for CES as well. But the Super Bowl is a big one. They made a lot of permanent upgrades to the stadium itself. 62 IDAS sectors inside the stadium, which include three sectors covering the field, which all cover the entire stadium with ultra-capacity 5G. Seven ODAS sectors servicing areas just outside the stadium for better coverage and celebrations inside the stadium. Millimeter wave enhancements, both inside and outside the stadium, which I thought was interesting. And they said that they should be able to reach peak speeds with millimeter wave and standalone of up to 4.3 gigabits per second, uplink speeds of 420 megabits, YOLO swag 420. And then there's all kinds of other upgrades. I think they, they said something like peak up, peak downloads will, will probably be around 1.2 gigabits per second, which is 10 times faster than it was before with peak yeah. up 200 megabits per second. So they are just supercharging the network for the Super Bowl. Interestingly enough, Verizon hasn't really come out with clear updates in terms of numbers, but they actually brought press out a few weeks ago to Allegiant to, to look at the stadium and see the upgrades that they have for the Super Bowl. But I'm reading a light reading article where they talk about how there's 250 millimeter wave radios in the stadium and that there's going to be 160 megahertz of C-band in the, in the general area including the stadium, and they added additional fiber to the stadium to add more capacity. So there's going to be tons of added capacity and performance for Verizon as well. I will say Verizon looks like they're going to be really doing a big media blitz. They're going to be talking a lot about all of the different media things that they're doing and having a Verizon Live and having a Super Bowl commercial. So I think they're going to be focusing more on the brand recognition for what they do with the NFL because they're like the NFL partner. I think T-Mobile is definitely just because they have both a lot of mid-band and they have a lot of millimeter wave. And Verizon has a lot of millimeter wave. But I'm really curious to see how both networks hold up. And I think we're going to see people doing tests and showing up how things actually look. Yeah, it should be incredible once it all is said and done to, to see the stats. They're always published and the amount of data that was generated and consumed and, and that sort of thing will be interesting. I will also point out that Cisco has a ton of infrastructure in Allegiant as well. And that's pretty critical for a lot of the routing function and, and backhaul and, and, and that sort of thing and the fiber connectivity. Yeah, it should be interesting. Go Chiefs. But with that, my friend, it's been another great podcast. Why don't you take us home? Absolutely. We hope our viewers and listeners found this week's topics interesting. If anyone out there would like to provide insights on a specific 5G topic for a future podcast, please reach out to us on social media. Will's at WillTownTech. And I'm at Anshul Sog. We hope you have a great weekend and please tune in next week. And don't forget to rate and subscribe.